The news is that gyms and uh, leisure centres and swimming pools are now open. So what that sadly means is that that's an end to um, PE with Joe Wicks. Last week or the week before was the final episode, a sad moment for those that have been with Joe Wicks doing online PE sessions. But the question is, how have you been active during uh, this season of lockdown? How have you been active if you've been working at home, spending a lot of your time at home? I, um, I have a Fitbit and um, my target every day is to walk or to step 10,000 times. 10 thousand steps. Now that's quite straightforward if you go for a run, which I do every now and then. It's also fairly straightforward if you go for a decent walk, but if it's a rainy day or if it's a day where I've been inside all day, I can get to nine o'clock, ten o'clock and I've done like four thousand steps. And I, I'm in a situation, a dilemma, do I go to sleep? Do I do what I plan to do? Maybe watch a TV program, certainly read my Bible, maybe pray. Um, or do I do 6,000 steps on the spot, in my living room, at home? Now, because uh, whether it's a competitive part of me, whether it's I'm a little bit goal-driven, but I simply made the decision to do 10,000 steps every day. So that's over 100 days, that's over a million steps. I'm a little bit proud of that, um, but I don't really know what I've achieved with that. I've, I've lost sleep, you know, I've some, sometimes I've been doing it at 11 o'clock at night, um, maybe I haven't quite been fully devoted to reading my Bible or praying. And, you know, the question is the same for you. How have you kept active? How have you kept your body active? How have you kept your mind active? But actually, perhaps a more important question is, how have you been spiritually active during this season? How have you ensured that you are spiritually match fit? And what have you been doing to affect your, and improve and boost your spiritual health? In fact, you, are, you hear it a lot during this season, but also before. I'm too tired. I'm really busy. I'm quite weary. We get tired. It's quite easy. Particularly as Christians, we, we, we become tired and we, we don't get up for church. Or we, 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 we don't read our Bible or we don't pray because we're busy. And how much... Has your, um, your, your relationship with God been affected during this season? Being a Christian isn't actually easy. It can be, at times, quite hard. And it's really interesting, this Bible verse, these two verses of Scripture that I'm going to read to you right now, um, they are challenging and yet encouraging at the same time. The, the verse comes from Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Just three verses for you today. And, then, and this is what it says. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden, the burden I give you, is light. That's encouraging, but maybe for some of you a little bit confusing to, to, to read that message. The message today, this, this, this sermon is titled, The Easy Yoke. And I think in that passage, uh, there's three things that Jesus sort of instructs, instructs us to do. Some action, some response, something that we need to do. 
But I think if you dig a little bit deeper in that passage, there are three promises. There are maybe more, but I've picked out three that sort of go alongside those actions. If, if we do this, this is what Jesus will do in return. It's not conditional. We don't have to earn it, but there's, there's a response. And I, this is what I see in, in, when I read these three verses. The first one is come to me. That's the starting point. And what's the end goal? What's the, what's the destination we hope to get out of coming to Jesus? It's I will give you rest. It's a promise. But it's not just a bodily rest. It's not just a, a good long sleep or a holiday. It's a rest for your soul. So that's what we do. And that's what Jesus gives in return. But the next one is take my yoke upon you. And here's the good news, here's the promise. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. The third one, the third instruction, the third task, the third action is let me teach you. And here's some good news about the nature of Jesus. I am humble and gentle at heart. So I'm just going to look at those three actions alongside three promises about Jesus or from Jesus. And then after that, a few practical things that you can do to receive and enter that rest and take on that yoke and come to Jesus and let him teach you. So let's, let's go with that first one, come to me. Jesus regularly in the Bible calls people by saying, come follow me. Tax collectors, fishermen, women, you know, the disciples, come follow me and you will find rest. This is an invitation for those who are tired. This is an invitation for those who are weary. This is an invitation for those carrying heavy burdens and who feel confused and lost and anxious and weak. This is an invitation that I want to take Jesus up on. He's inviting you to follow him. But of course there's an action. It's not just a passive thing. He wants you to come to him. There's a response required. We need to go to him. And in return, Jesus promises life. He promises rest. He promises a life rest for our souls, which is fantastic news. That's the first one. The second one, the second action is take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. A yoke was used in those times and still is, I guess. To harness two oxen together to then go and plough a field. It was made of wood more, more than likely, but then perhaps eventually made of metal. And what's really interesting about this is Jesus is primarily talking about rest, but he gives you a work instrument. He gives you some equipment. We would want a hotel or a spa day or a holiday or a nice cosy bed with a lie-in. But Jesus gives us equipment. He references work whilst talking about rest and Jesus knows that life is hard he knows that we're burdened he knows that we carry weight and he isn't going to and doesn't want to he doesn't see the benefit and doesn't see that it would be good for us to take that away to give us an escape to offer us a way out from carrying burdens from carrying life what he does he doesn't give us a way out he gives us a way to carry it a way to bear the weight and to do it with joy and to receive life and to do it with a smile on your face he wants to give you help and assistance because he does most of the work when he comes alongside you in the yoke he does the work it's easy and light for you to do 
The third thing, let me teach you. I am humble and gentle at heart. Now, it's really interesting. First of all, we're talking about um, work and an agricultural sort of um, symbol here of, of the yoke. But is the, the yoke means something else. In, in ancient times, in, in the times when Jesus walked the earth, um, Israel was under Roman rule. It was occupied by Rome. And, and the, you know, Rome had its own gods. But it allowed Judaism, it allowed the Jewish priests and the Jewish rabbis to continue to teach and preach. And people practice their religion as long as they paid taxes to Caesar and as long as they stayed in line. But there were rabbis that went around teaching the law, teaching the Torah, the Jewish text. And they had interpretations. They had, you know, one rabbi would interpret the scripture in another way to a different rabbi. And they would have a list of expectations, a list of things that they permitted, a list of things that they forbade. And a list of, you know, their interpretation, their way of living out a particular passage of scripture, which could differ from another rabbi. And the way in which they, um, sort of their interpretation and their list of rules was known as, at the time, the rabbi's yoke. If you were a student under a certain rabbi, if you followed a certain rabbi, it was as if you were taking on the yoke of a rabbi. It was you wanted to follow that rabbi and do and, and act out the scriptures in the way that he interpreted them. And Jesus is offering us this yoke of teaching. Not only is he, is he offering us help, he is offering us teaching, instruction and leadership at this time. He is offering you a way to live. He is the way, the truth and the life. In a couple of verses before the, the verses that I've been focusing on today, verse 25 of, of Matthew 11, it says this, at that time Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. The, the Pharisees, the other teachers of the law, they put heavy burdens, religious burdens. They, they had requirement after requirement after requirement and people were never good enough to meet these requirements. It was so difficult. They put so much heavy weight upon people to be a follower. But Jesus placed a light burden, a light weight and a light and easy yoke because he was humble and gentle. He didn't put heavy burdens upon people. In fact, he encouraged people to come to him, not as clever scholars, not as somebody with a university degree or a master's in theology. He says, come like a child. A child is dependent. A child doesn't know the answers. A child trusts. A child is humble and gentle, just like Jesus. He doesn't want you to be an expert in this. He wants you to simply let him teach you and come to him as a child. So those are three things, three encouragement, three actions alongside three great promises. But in terms of practically, that's really nice. Hopefully you, you agree with me. It's really nice to, to, to read and listen um, to that passage of scripture. But how do you put it into practice? How do you actually take up the easy yoke? How do you, in principle and in practice, come to Jesus? How do you actually come to him when you are tired, when life is busy, when you've let Jesus down, when you've not been a good Christian, when you're in lockdown and you're struggling? How do you actually come to him in this context? And how do you let him teach? It's all well and good him teaching, but are you going to let him teach you?
So a few practical things, mostly from my life that I've experienced recently, and a few um, from a book that I've been reading um, by um, John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a great book to read on this topic, particularly um, in this series that we're in at the moment called Sabbath. We're looking at the Sabbath which is one of my points in just a moment, but here's some practical ways of creating the space to do this. Three things, each of them begin with S, and again, they come out of this book. Firstly, keep it simple. Life can be so complicated, but why don't we just simplify life? Make a decision to simplify it. Be content with what you have right now, and be careful about adding more to your life. You know, more responsibilities, more, um, roles and job titles, more stuff, material stuff, more whatever it might be, consider the implication of adding more to your life. Before you buy something, why don't you ask yourself, what is the cost of this? Not just the financial cost, but how much is it going to cost me? A gym membership has a financial implication. You pay your money, but also it requires your time and your effort and your energy to go to the gym. A bigger house. You may have the money to buy the bigger house, but do you have the time to spend hoovering all the extra rooms or mowing the bigger lawn? Do you have the time, you know, in terms of simplifying your life, why not just think a little bit before you go out and buy things or add things to your life? Reduce, reuse, recycle. I'm one of these people and it annoys Steph a little bit, but I like to wring every last drag out the toothpaste. Or I've been known to cut open bottles of shampoo and scrape out the dregs because I want to make sure that I get the most out of what I've spent my money on before I get some new shampoo or new toothpaste. Another thing that you can do to simplify your life is enjoy life's simple pleasures. You know, a nice, the smell of a cup of coffee, a nice long walk, a sunset, for me, an episode of Call the Midwife at the moment, that's mine and Steph's thing that we're watching at the moment, it's just so edifying and so good and wholesome, it just, it makes you feel good after watching it, these simple pleasures. Here's another thing to do, to, one of the things that complicates life, is that there are so many different ways that people can contact you, communicate with you, give you information, sell you a product, advertise to you, notify you about something, give you a news headline, and it's, it's your phone. Sim way of simplifying your life, a way of taking over the, on the easy yoke, a way of actually allowing Jesus to teach you is to give your phone a lie-in. Something that I've done recently in the last few weeks is I've not looked at my phone for at least an hour before waiting. Since, since waking up. So many of us have an alarm on our phone and we swipe and then immediately we're greeted with a, with a notification from BBC breaking news about something terrible that's happened. Immediately we see a notification from Facebook or a message from someone and our mind is engaged and it, it's suddenly become complicated. We've, we've got to deal with things and respond to things and do things. I've simply, um, you know, some of you have the Bible on your phone and you think, well, how do I do that? Well, I've actually got another device that I simply use for the Bible, and all it can do is connect to the Wi-Fi and the Bible and one or two other nice apps. So that's what I do. I can read the Bible there, or I can get a reading plan there, and it's not notifying me about anything. The world could end, and I could still be having my cup of um, tea and a, a bowl of cornflakes, and then I'll find out after I've had my shower what the world is doing. But it, it's made my anxiety levels reduce considerably. It, it's caused me to be so much more worshipful and more reflective and it causes me to, to, you know, to pray rather than worry and sing worship songs in the shower rather than just 
shiver and, and flap about and not even have a shower because I haven't got time to have a shower. You can also give your phone a holiday. For me, probably about three weeks in the year, I just turn my phone off and I have a week or maybe even two weeks without any digital contact with the outside world and it is so refreshing. I'm not saying that's so easy for everybody to do, but for me, you know, you might have another phone that has um, contact with the outside world if people need you in an emergency or if you want to take photographs. You know, I don't even take photographs. I even went through a point where I wouldn't even listen to music for a week because it was on my phone and my phone was off. And now, as I say, I have this other device which has, has some apps which I can now use on holiday. But give your phone a holiday. Become smarter than your smartphone. Turn, make, turn your, your smartphone into a dumb phone because it can get you when you least expect it. But if you're in control, then you keep life simple and you can worship Jesus. You can be a lot happier and a lot more content. And you can go and come to Jesus you can take on his easy yoke and you can allow him to teach you. So keep life simple. The second thing is to slow down. I haven't slowed this video down. I literally just slow down. Simplify, slow down. If you slow down, you suddenly realise where you are in the moment. We often think about hurrying from one place to the next, doing this. We break the speed limit to get to one place, and we break the speed limit to get back, and we do this, and we're thinking about the next thing that we've got to do, and the thing we've got to do tomorrow, next week, and next year, but we don't always remember and realise that we have a moment now to enjoy. I've had a few moments during lockdown where I've just spent five or so minutes just staring at Abigail and looking at her, our little two-year-old and looking into her eyes and enjoying that moment for what it is and for nothing else. Something that I've done, and I only did it this week, and I realised um, I did it, and I'll share it with you. I'm a big um, junk food eater. I'm, I wouldn't say it's a good thing. I I'm not here to preach and say do it, but I do eat a, a pack of crisps from now, from now um, every now and then and a pack of biscuits every now and then. But I was eating a pack of crisps and I'm the kind of person, especially if you're kind of on a lunch break and you've got to quickly get it in and get some work done after your lunch break. I'm like five or six crisps in one go. And within 30 seconds, the whole bag is demolished. I started this week eating one crisp at a time. You know, even down to the, the little dust bits. And, and it takes a long time. And I'm not saying that I worship God in every crisp. And I'm not saying I gave thanks and said a prayer every time. And meditated and really um, had an, an epiphany or whatever. But in those moments, I appreciated those moments. And I was thankful for the food and the crisp. But also, I, I was so much more at ease and so much um, more thankful for other things in my life. So eat your minstrels, your biscuits, your crisps, your, your dinner. Slowly. Drive at the speed limit, it's the law, it's an easy one. It's so nice, I love it when I've got nowhere to be. You know, maybe I'm going out socially or I'm going somewhere where I haven't got a time. It's just, um, you know, we're going on a day trip and it's not like a set time you've got to be there. I just love driving in a relaxed state. There's, there's something, I'm one of those Sunday drivers that everybody else hates. I enjoy driving, not too slow, but just on the speed limit. And then this, is, this next final thing is difficult because it goes against everything that um, we're trying to do. We're, we're people that want to achieve and we want, we're goal driven and we want to have a good um, crack at our to-do list. And I think we as humans, we want to do and we try to do more than we can actually do. There's, there's not enough time in the day to do all the things that we want to do. So accept that. Be confident and, and comfortable in the fact that you are not going to achieve everything that you want to achieve this week. And that's okay.
I'm not saying that we shouldn't try, but it, it's okay to take the pressure off yourself. Slow down. Enough to get to the third thing, which is to stop entirely. The word Sabbath, which is the theme for this month, is Shabbat, which is Hebrew to stop. God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. Imagine Adam. Let's forget for a moment the complications regarding how long each day in the Genesis account is. and It's not easy when we weigh up against science. But anyway, let's just take that for what it is. This is an account that Moses wrote of God creating the world. God created the world. We don't know exactly how he did it. But here we go. There were six days that he worked. Six days that he created. Seventh, he rested. Adam, man, humans, was created on day six. He, wake, he goes to bed on day six, wakes up in the morning on day seven, a day of rest. His first day, his first full day on planet Earth, God wants him to rest. And that, that rest has not ceased, that rest has not ended. God wants you and me, and Adam included, to rest. We were designed to start from a place of rest, not collapse at the end of the day exhausted. And it's, it's, it's our starting point to prepare for what is ahead tomorrow. We rest, make rest, this is important. Make rest a priority. Otherwise, you just won't do it properly. After Egypt, um, and after uh, years and centuries of slavery, 400 over, over 400 years of being in Egypt, a place that was not their own, the Israelites had forgotten what it was to be human. And it says in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with, the, with, with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest. It's a commandment. He wanted the nation of Israel to reset and remind themselves that you're no longer a slave. Slaves don't get a day off. Slaves don't get a holiday. And a Sabbath, a day's rest, is like a kick in the teeth of, of, of capitalism, of materialism, of, of the modern day Egypt, telling you what you can and can't do, telling you what you should become, and, and you need to be, do something to be someone. It's like a, a slap in the face um, of, of the authority that says you need to be somebody and be something. It's freedom from the need to be more, to do more, and to achieve more. So... To help you take on the yoke of Jesus, take 24 hours, ideally weekly if you can, to stop, to rest. And key thing, which is the whole point of Sabbath, to worship. Look for opportunities, opportunities on a daily basis. Look for Sabbath moments in the day. If you get to a meeting 10 minutes early, don't think, right, I'll catch up on emails or I'll do something productive. Use those 10 minutes to rest. A lunch break or just before your shower in the morning or just before you go to bed tonight. Don't consider it, you know, a, a half an hour window to do something. Look for those moments for five minutes, ten minutes to have a pause, a rest. So there we go. God has commanded you to rest. Not because he, he, he's telling, he's bossing, he, he's humble and gentle at heart. He wants you to rest because he knows it's good for you. And also he wants you to rest, worship and come to him. So we're nearly there. Three actions. 
three responses. And if you're not a Christian, listen to this. If you don't follow Jesus, you don't know a lot about what I'm saying today. This invitation is open to you particularly. The rest isn't just about a nice long sleep and a holiday. The rest is an eternal rest. That when your time here on earth ends, Jesus offers you eternity in a restful position. Rest for your soul forever, no matter what. And the invitation is as much for you as it is for me. It's this, come follow me. Come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Christianity isn't meant to be hard and, and horrible and, and difficult and, and awkward. And it, it, it's, it, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Let me teach you. I am humble and gentle at heart. God is a gentleman and he's calling you, longing for you to come to him. So let's pray and I'm going to conclude. Father, we thank you for your rest. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your yoke that is easy and the burden that you ask us to carry is light. God, I pray for people listening and watching that they will come to you and receive your rest for their souls. God, as we pick up that yoke, as we come to you, as we allow you to teach us, God, would we understand that you are there beside us, that you are working on our behalf, that you're doing all the hard work for us. And God, would we know, and we, because we know, because we know that you love us and that you desire more from us. God, help us to rest and help us to worship. In the name of Jesus. Amen.